Chapter twenty three of Hands of Iceland by Victor Hugo. Translated by Abby Langdon Alger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sonia. Chapter twenty three. Yes, we may reveal to the faithful lover's tear wet eye the distant object of his adoration, but alas, the moments of expectation, the farewells, the thoughts, the sweet and bitter memories, the enchanting dreams of two beings that love. Who can restore these? Maturin, Bertram. Meantime, the venturesome Ordener, after a score or more of narrow escapes from a fall during his perilous ascent, reached the top of the thick round tower wall. At his unexpected visit, dusky old owls, abruptly aroused from their nests, flew up, staring at him as they sailed away, and loose stones, displaced by his tread, rolled into the abyss, rebounding from projections in the masonry, with a remote hollow roar. At any other time, Ordner's gaze would have roamed far and wide, and his mind would have dwelt upon the depths of the gulf yawning beneath him, which seemed even greater from the thick darkness of the night. His eye, taking in all the great masses of shadow on the horizon, their sombre outlines but half revealed by a nebulous moon, would have striven to distinguish between mist and rocks, between mountains and clouds. His imagination would have lent life to all the gigantic forms, the fantastic shapes with which moonlight clothes hills and vapours. He would have listened to the indistinct murmur of lake and woods blended with the shrill sough of the wind through the crevices in the stones, and through the dried grass at his feet, and his fancy would have lent words to all those low voices through which material nature speaks while man sleeps, in the silence of the night. But although the scene unconsciously acted upon his whole being, other thoughts filled his mind. Hardly had his foot touched the top of the wall, when his eye turned to the southern sky, and he thrilled with unspeakable rapture as he saw beyond and between two small mountains a point of light gleaming upon the horizon like a red star. It was Munkholm Beacon. None but those who have tasted the truest joys which life can give can understand the young man's happiness. His soul was filled with delight. His heart beat violently. Motionless, his eye fixed, he gazed at the star of hope and consolation. It seemed as if that beam of light traversing the darkness, and coming from the spot which held all that made life worth living, bore with it something of his ethel. Ah, do not doubt it. One soul may sometimes hold mysterious communion with another, though widely parted by time and space. In vain the world of reality rears its barriers between two beings who love. Inhabitants of an ideal world, they are present to each other in absence. They are united in death. What can mere bodily separation or physical distance avail if two hearts be indissolubly bound by a single thought and a common desire? True love may suffer, but it cannot die. Who has not repeatedly lingered on a rainy night beneath some dimly lighted window? Who has not passed and repassed a certain door, rapturously wandered up and down before a certain house? Who has not abruptly retraced his steps to follow, at evening, along some deserted winding street, a floating skirt or a white veil suddenly recognized in the twilight. He who has never experienced these feelings may safely say that he has never loved. As he gazed at the distant lighthouse, Ordner pondered. A sad and ironical contentment took the place of his first transports. A thousand varying thoughts and ideas crowded upon his agitated spirit. Yes, said he. A man must labor long and painfully to win at last the ray of happiness in the vast night of existence. So she is there. She sleeps. She dreams. 
perhaps she thinks of me but who will tell her that her ordiner even now hangs above an abyss sad and lonely surrounded by darkness her ordiner who retains nothing of her but a single ringlet pressed to his heart and a faint light upon the horizon then looking at the ruddy glow of the huge fire burning in the tower beneath and escaping through the crevices in the wall he murmured perhaps from one of her prison windows she casts an indifferent glance at the far-off flame upon this hearth all at once a loud shriek and a prolonged burst of laughter rose from the brink of the precipice below <laughs> he turned abruptly and saw that the interior of the tower was vacant alarmed for the safety of the old man he hurriedly descended but he had taken but a few steps when he heard a dull splash as if a heavy body had been thrown into the deep waters of the lake. End of chapter 23